The Tumbling Saber podcast is powered by our powerful friends. Become a powerful friend for just a couple dollars per month and get exclusive podcasts, early access podcasts, random prize draws, contests, newsletters, and more. Visit patreon.com slash tumblingsaber and become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Welcome back. It's episode 123 of the Tumbling Saber podcast. My name's Kyle. I'm Corey. And that's it. It's just the brothers this week. No Carlos, no James, no nothing. You're stuck with us, suckers. What? <laughs> one, two, three with a Z. Buckle up, baby. Let's do this. Cool. One month until solo, Corey. <sighs> Dude, that's it. <laughs> one month. Can, like Saying it like that is surreal. I'm so stoked, man. Every time they show a new image, a new TV spot, which are coming out fast and furious now, I, I get more and more excited about about uh, the things I'm seeing. It looks like it's going to be so much fun. Uh, even just from like a, a life standpoint, too, like just remember how quickly the days have melted away now. You know what I mean? Sure. Every month seems to go faster than the one before it. It's it's insane. Here we are already all, just about through April. It's disgusting. I mean, I know what you were just mean, uh, saying about the TV spots. Like, my son flagged me down for the first one that I saw on TV, and I was like, finally, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dave Donovan posted an, the seventh one, seventh TV spot into the uh, Tumbling Saber group. Early, at least I woke up to it this morning. And it was so cool. It was, there's that one moment uh, where Han jumps over this, the, uh, the captain's seat and into the chair. And I was like, man, like, Talk about catcher, capturing a tone. Like I, the first thing that came into my mind immediately, bolt of lightning was Dukes of Hazard, and That's I, awesome. I hope there's some of that recklessness to Han in this movie. It's going to be so much fun. But it's also cool because Ron Howard is tweeting Ron Howard things again, like he did this weekend. He he confirmed and proved that his brother Clint does in fact have a role in the movie. We saw a screen cap of that. And, uh, well, he, look, he looks very much like Clint Howard. <laughs> yeah, he fits right in. I love it. Doesn't need a whole lot of work for Clint Howard to fit into a Star Wars movie. And he also, on Sunday, tweeted that it's a wrap on post-production. It's done. Everything is in the can. The movie is locked and loaded. So now there's not, nothing to do but just sit back and wait for May 25th or 24th, depending on when you're going. Yeah, and just from a... I don't know, a production standpoint, like bravo to, to Ron Howard, man, for being able to to do this, you know, on this constraining time, timeline and budget. Well, you remember, well, the budget's no issue. <laughs> they doubled the budget for him pretty much. But still, I mean, he kept it within budget kind of, I'm sure, with their secondary budget, you know. Well, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he came out with the caveat that uh, <laughs> I got to do what I got to do. I'm essentially starting over. Anyway, D Disney's not going to screw up. They're not going to hold the purse strings, you know, for, for sake of, uh, you know, or maybe putting out a, a, a lesser than movie. They're not going to do that. All right. But, so, uh, well, I'm just want to touch one last thing on this, this whole solo thing. And 
just this whole time in fandom and nerddom and geekdom, whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, Avengers Infinity Wars right around the corner. Then we got Deadpool looks pretty good, too. And Solo. I mean, gee whiz, man. Like, what a time to be living, you know what I mean? And, like, another part of that, too, is that, I mean, today was so beautiful outside. And it's been the first time in a long time we're outside. So it's like I'm starting to sense that, like, the spring is in the air and that Star Wars feeling of seeing a movie in May. Like, I don't know. It's, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> like riding a bike. Absolutely. Um. Well, I, I wanted to start this episode just by th- for thanking everybody for the feedback on last week's episode. I, th- I think we hit a nerve. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, Corey. I know you're you're on social media less lately, but we had a lot of feedback uh, last week about our discussion about Ryan's trilogy and nostalgia and how that's all going to be, or at least how Star Wars needs to leave nostalgia behind to to a large degree going forward. That seemed to strike a nerve with people who who liked the discussion and, and kind of had to keep that in mind. We, awesome. Uh, you know, us older fans have to be ready for that step. So I, I just want to uh, thank everybody for, for chiming in on that. But you know what? It, it, I, I was you know thinking about Star Wars as, as I tend to do. Do you think that like the fans who are, are in it chiefly for the nostalgia, do you think that there's a possibility that, you know, maybe Disney and Lucasfilm are going to try to scratch everybody's itch? By saying, like, this project is specifically for the old timers. The people that were with us from the beginning who need Star Wars to do a certain thing. Could that type of project be assigned to one of those people? Or could one of those people pitch that kind of project? And and do you, do you think that's what they're trying to do? Is just have so many irons in the fire that no fan is left uncatered to? I don't know. It's a good point, kind of. Like, I don't know how dark they'll go with the whole thing you know like we'd had that discussion as well and i don't know if they want to have a divided fandom and not be cool if like your star wars movie sucks and this star wars show is the best and you know what i don't want to hear any of that we're already there yeah we're already there you know so you have people shouting that the ot is the only star wars you have people shouting that uh whatever i mean i'm not interested in really getting into that into that discussion but it's we've we're already there Corey. like there's there's no point in wondering it's it's already happening people are already screaming at each other that uh, their star wars is better than everybody else's but i don't know i i i think it's possible i'm not going to rule anything out but I, I do think it's possible that you know somebody like like uh favreau or the game of thrones guys could come in with an entirely um not fan servicey i don't want to say that but just something that would be sure to please the old-time fans Anyway, it made me wonder, do you think that there's maybe a plan in place for some project to, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's one of the projects that are currently underway, but something in the future for all the people that are jumping up and down, angry that we didn't get one last adventure with Luke, Han, and Leia. Do you think that something down the line could come out? This, this came into my mind over the weekend um, as I was doing some yard work outside. Like something set 15 to 20 years before The Force Awakens. So like right around the time that Rey is born. And then you know, it's it's something, the premise of it would be like a Snoke rising up. And Han and Luke and Leia are sort of onto the whole thing. And they, the whole thing sort of centers around a battle for Ben Solo's life. You know what I mean? And by the end of it, of course, 
we feel like our heroes have won and Snoke takes on this scarred form that we see in The Last Jedi in The Force Awakens. And you, you feel like, oh, yay, that was a great adventure with Luke, Han, and Leia. Perfect. Now they can close that book. Do you think that's something that's going to come down the line? Because, you know, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, this is something they're going to do for sure. Like, they're going to give us that one fan service adventure with those three before they all go their own way. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I think this is all we're going to get, bro. You think so? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe aside from literature. I, I kind of like, feel like they're going to go back at some point and and give us one more Luke, Han, and Leia away from the big screen. Away from the big screen? So on like TV, you mean? I don't know what – like I just thought of the story. I didn't imagine where it would be. It's it's It won't be a movie. That's for sure. I don't think it would be a movie anyway. Um, but it could be some sort of mini TV series. Who knows? Or it could be a book. It could be a comic series. I don't know. But I, I got to think that somewhere along the way, they're going to say, let's just put crank that out. Luke, Han, and Leia versus Snoke with Ben Solo's destiny sort of as the, as the grand prize. So anyway, mm. bit of a thing that entered my brain this weekend. So you have, do you have a uh, collecting update that you want to share this week? Do I? Do <laughs> I? I think maybe you do. Oh dear. Yeah, it's it's uh, been a bit of a big week, man. I'm gonna let, let's touch back on last week. I actually actually received my products that I had ordered last week that I'd spoken about. So I got the the new Han, the new Lando, and I also picked up the Tarkin as well. And all three of them have been received in minty fresh condition, which was excellent who, is, who did you order from uh i think it was, yeah, it was amazon there you like go. i'd heard on that forum there <clears throat> they were out anyhow they did just dropped and like i think it was like not even an hour later tarkin was like sold out i was like he's already going for like so much then on monday after you had taunted me with the the pics of the the fighting droids the funko pops but uh yeah i picked that up and picked up the l337 so two more robots in the can. It was actually pretty expensive too, man. Like I was like, I didn't even look at the price point. Like I knew the the regular one was probably like twelve bucks, and you know, I get that of cash, and it's like sixty something bucks. I was like, like, oops, what happened? <laughs> but yeah, totally worth it. Those droids ha- needed to have them. What else happened? Um, we took a trip, you and I. We went out uh, to this mini convention in our area. Anyhow, yeah, I, I scanned the place for so long. I saw some Black Series figures, and they were like the, from the blue line. And they were kind of like just tucked away, man. And he had like six or seven figures. And he's like, oh, he's like, well, do you want all of them? I was like, that's not going to happen, you know. And I was like, how much do you want per? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking at least like 50, 60 for some. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like I knew it. I was like in my head, I was like, I can get one or two, you know. So I'm like, I'm going to go get money in my head. And he's, I start walking away and he's, he's like, well, you know, we can make a deal. So I was like, okay. So I, I got her at hundred bucks, came back. I was like, I want these three. So it was Leia Bouche, six inch, like Commander Cody. And I think Wesley's going to love this one, Bosk. And they're all like super nice condition. So, I, well, I actually had IG-88 in my hand as well. And I wanted that instead of Bouche, but he was like, yeah, no, I can't do it, but. I got all three for a hundred, so that was super sweet. That's a that's a hell of a score. 
yeah, I actually posted it on like a Black Series Canada forum afterward. And like, man, like I had like 30 comments. Like people were just like, holy cow, like I'll buy that right now. Like what a score. I was like, holy cow. This is awesome. Made my day. That's pretty awesome. That, that should be it for a while now. That was, that was, a, that was a bit of a spree. Yep. Yeah, mine is uh, well, not as not as fancy as that, but I I t- took kind of a left turn, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to really get into it just yet. Uh, we'll get into that on another podcast. Um, the, we'll call it the crossover event of the century podcast. Is that, is that enough of a tease? Yeah, I like that. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say one th- I'll say one thing about it though. It, it was super nice to see. Um, it was super cute to see my brother, my older brother, like, and his addiction kind of taking over him. And then <laughs> like, just the way you were like, it was so funny. I was just like, Hmm, this is awesome. Well, no, I mean, I, 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 got, I made a super sweet score that uh, doesn't quite fit the format here on this show, but uh, we'll, we'll be talking to our friends over in Alberta at the nerd room. We'll be talking about some of the stuff I picked up there. So there, think about that guys. There's a crossover event coming. And uh, I'm look, looking forward to that. That's going to be happening in the next few weeks. So keep your ears perked up for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so let's move on, Corey. Let's get into the uh, Star Wars news proper here. We retreated to a couple of solo posters this weekend. Or was one last week? I don't know. Uh, the North American theatrical poster. What do you think of that one? Uh, yeah, same as always, kind of. I mean, it's nice. It didn't blow me away. I like that it's kind of a departure from the orange, like they had said in the article, kind of. Uh, kind of lost the Western horizon, which is okay. It seems uh, kind of typical for a Star Wars, like a classic Star Wars poster, kind of, like the positioning of the characters and all that. And yeah. not not enough robots. <laughs> like L3 was there, but just super small. Maybe this is just an all-robot poster for you. That would be pretty sweet. Would that make you happy? Or an all-robot movie? No, I would not like to see... Uh, if you read this, uh, the 3PO one-shot after The Force Awakens, I think that would put to bed any desire to see an all-robot movie. Well, led by 3PO, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, a perfectly acceptable poster. It's nice, whatever. I mean, I, I like the color palette, but I am really getting tired of the whole... Like the character montage concept? Well, I think at this point almost it's becoming better within Star Wars in the sense that like he, you, you got to do one almost, you know? Oh, yeah. You got to do one. I mean, there's so many players in these movies. You want to get everybody's mug on there for sure. I get it, but yeah, tired of seeing it. But let's move on to the next one. The Japanese poster. Now, this is where it's at. This yeah, one I is totally cool. Agree. So cool. This one to me kind of brings together the best aspects of all the posters we've seen, puts it into one. It it retains that uh, Western vibe. It looks like a wanted poster. Oh. It's got the crew all over it. It's it's really, really nice. It's got the frayed edges and the graphics at, on the borders. Love it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's out of sight, dynamite. Uh, like you said, like it almost looks like it's uh, printed on wanted paper, which is really... Uh, of that western theme again it's got that painting look it's a photo yes but it's it's it, again looks like something from the 80s uh and there's i don't know there's just something about like like asian lettering and star wars like it just it works for me you know what i mean it looks so cool i almost i mean 
I guess you could mistake it for Oribesh. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But I don't know. There's just something about it that works. Yeah, it's, it's really, really nice. Like I, I'm going to try looking into – if I ever find a place on my wall for a solo poster, it's going to be this one. Yeah, so far I, I think I'd have to agree. I'd have to go over them again, but uh, good chance. Plus like the prominency of the, the Falcon as well is quite nice. The Falcon's in the villain spot. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, pretty cool posters. I, I can't really say too much negative about either one of them, but uh, that Japanese poster, boy, that is a thing of beauty. All right, so earlier uh, last week, we had some reveals or some, some uh, sneak peeks at Dryden Voss and what he's doing in his operation in Empire Magazine. And we got a pretty half-decent look at some ancient Mando armor. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, I, I guess, a tiny nod. Or maybe. What do you think? You tell me what you think about this. Is it maybe a tiny nod to something that's coming down the line? And with Filoni and Favreau both very familiar with Mandalorians, and the Game of Thrones guys, see, this you know, the Mandalorians seem like the perfect group for those guys to tackle. Do you think seeing that ancient Mandalorian armor is maybe a bit of a tease as to something that might come down the line? Uh, very well could be. You know, we we all love Mandalorians, and it did look pretty goddamn cool. I think it was uh, Double D, Dave Donovan, uh, saying that. It could possibly be, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name now, but the original possessor of the Darksaber, that Mandalorian. It's like one of my favorite scenes in Rebels when they're retelling that story. Maybe. You know what I'm talking Yeah, I don't know the name, but I know here. Yeah, it was in that sort of little 2D animation sequence. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, that was super but, cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a possibility, but who knows? He, he's a collector, but I did, like you said, like, there was something different about that armor in the sense that it looked a little almost more like samurai and ancient. So maybe it is quite old. Yeah, it looked like that old feudal samurai armor. No doubt about that. Looked really cool, though. I'd love to see that uh, brought brought to life on screen. But what do you think of this Voss guy? Like, if, if the heist on Vandor, which is the snowy planet, if that's on behalf of Voss... And all indications are that uh, the, the Conveyex is Imperial property. So what would a collector of antiquities, a, a gangster like Dryden Voss, want a crew assembled to steal from the Empire? Well, I just want to take it one step back for a second, Kyle. Sorry. But uh, when I read this report, I just learned this now. I don't know if this was out there for a while, but originally it was supposed to be a half-lion alien. Yeah, when it was like, Michael K. Williams, he it was yeah he was sort of like space lion, dude. Like that's strike one, Ron Howard. Like honestly, <laughs> I, I don't I want just, space I, lion. Uh, I know what you mean. I don't know if it was now like a time constraint, and they just didn't have time to work on getting it right with Paul Bettany. Like I'm sure it's not a simple matter of slapping some makeup on the guy and just you know go to town, get get to work. I'm sure there's it's more elaborate than that. Yeah, they they changed it up a bit, but um, anyway, I, I like what they said in this article. Like they were referencing uh, like Heat, the movie, which is awesome stuff like that. Uh, but in regards to what he wants, like these rare antiquities, like that, having like a super old Mandalorian armor, like that's it's like a sign of power. Like why would he have that? Like maybe his 
this collection could be eclectic. Uh, I think right away my mind went to Kyber Crystal, but I, I really don't think that's the case. We've been there. We've done that. But then I, I kind of just started thinking about it. Like if this guy's part of the criminal underworld, two things that came to me like were kind of like uh, maybe a person and like a slave that this guy wants back. Like maybe like a love interest, but more prominently with the more I thought about it, like I, I would think it maybe has something to do with Ke- uh, like the spice mines of Kessel. Like we, we think there's a big scene in, in this, but it could be at the beginning of the movie with Chewie. I don't know, but taking a stab in the dark, uh, the mob, again, it's always kind of controlled the drug trade, but what if the empire has kind of said like, this is a lucrative business we want to get in. And it could be like a story throughout the galaxy too. Like you could see throughout the movie how spice like affects people and like how it's bad. And I don't know. It could be like uh, him trying to like get his market back in a way. Um, maybe. I, mean, I always felt like his main business in air quotes was you know, running drugs or you know doing all the criminal behavior. And on the side, he collected all these antiquities and, and rarities. I I wonder if this is sort of the where we work in sort of a Jedi or Sith aspect to this show. I I, I got to imagine that there will be some kind of Force aspect to this movie, to some degree. Um, yeah, because I think we're going to want to see how Han views the Jedi and the Sith and the Force and all that nonsense, right? So I wonder if this is where they plug that in, and they he wants Voss wants some sort of Jedi relic. Well, he thinks it's all a bunch of bull by the time we, we see a new hope. Right. So maybe taking this job, he gets us fine. You're, you're part of the crew says Tobias Beckett. What are we stealing? Great. Let's, let's get on it. What are we, what are we taking from this guy? Mm, it's a Jedi thing. Oh, I, th- those guys, those clowns, come on. Like maybe that's where we see that cynicism towards the Jedi kick in. I don't know. I can't see what it would be like if it was a part of a temple, like what we've seen in Rebels or something like that. Like, okay, maybe. Like, but why would it be so important to the Empire, and why would it be on this train? That you know, I don't know. It's probably not. I mean, it's probably something completely different. Well, we know it could be some kind of piece of art. Who knows? I'm still sticking with something illegal. Yeah, I mean, whatever it is. I mean, it's it's something that the Empire deems important enough. That they've got it on this this heavily armored train. Yeah, I would have to think whoever controls the spice trade controls a a lot of money, and I know and like that. That's an interesting thing. If I, if the empire is actually controlling and distributing drugs, that would kind of be interesting to me. I don't know how I'd feel about that one. It makes perfect sense. No. Like this planet needs to be like impoverished. Like here, let's introduce this. It's not like it hasn't happened before. You're right. I mean, it's it's happened in our world before, but I don't know that that's going to be a thing. I mean, it's it, it, we've gone this long, and that's not been a sign of something the Empire's doing. I, I don't know that they're going to start that now. They could. <laughs> they really could, but I, I don't know. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna torpedo that one. It could happen. I'll give you props if it does, but I I, I can't see it. Do you think Kyber crystals would be like a lazy reach? Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> no, nah, I don't. I think they'll they'll go to some other extent for, for Dryden Voss. All right. So here's something that uh, I guess somewhat maybe halfway spoilery for 
episode nine. Although, <laughs> for a movie that's not started shooting yet, uh, I hesitate to call it that. But uh, apparently, episode nine is going to bring back a beloved legacy character. And it, this is from the New York Daily News. So please, this is where you deploy your largest grain of salt for this report. Uh, but it, it says that uh, Yoda will return as a force ghost uh, to mentor Rey in episode nine. What do you think, Corey? Is this, is this, first of all, do you think it's, it's accurate? And two, do you think it's something that should happen? Hmm. Accuracy. I, I can't really say, to be honest, like you're saying to take it with a grain of salt. I'd like to hear it from making star Wars. Well, agreed. it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, I'd, want to see luke and i mean ray doesn't even really know who yoda is so it's that there's kind of that bit of a weird dynamic there you know what i mean yeah for sure there's that that would be a little bit weird although they can easily explain that that oh well yoda yoda spoke during ray's dream sequence or the force back in tfa so she wouldn't that's how she knows him she's dreamt about him stuff like that yeah, and he could say, like, I've watched you a really long time, and yada, 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 but I don't know. Uh, maybe that doesn't necessarily rule out Luke either, so. Sure, you know, you're right. It could There could be two Force ghosts. That That is definitely a possibility. But for for me, like, if it's going to be one Force ghost, like, for me, it's if, if anybody's going to appear to Rey, I think it needs to be Luke. Like, I, we never got the wise old Luke moment in The Last Jedi, really, when it comes to teaching Jedi. And I think you know, by the end of it all, like Luke had found himself again. He was back to the guy we probably thought he was going to be all along or hoped that he would be. And I think the general feeling in fandom is that Rey is maybe still angry with Luke, or at least she was when she left the island, right? Or maybe just very sorely disappointed. Well, once she hears of what he did, like I think she might even even seen him on Crete, no? Uh, no, she was on the, on the Falcon the whole time. That's fine. She was kind of flying in the general area. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Canonically... Either way, she she heard she heard what happened, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows. I'm, there's no doubt she knows that what she knows what Luke did for sure. And, but like, yeah. So I think that if she recognizes what Luke did in sacrificing himself. I think that would probably be enough for her to bury the hatchet with Luke. So I think they're back to square one. Like if, if Luke wants to appear to Ray in episode nine, I don't think she'd be like, talk to the hand. I think she'd be like master Luke and she'd be ready to hear what he has to say. Yeah. I have to agree with that. And I want to see that. My God, please Mark, <laughs> Mr. Hamill, please be in this. <laughs> yeah. I, I already saw a stupid clickbait article that, Hamill's not interested in having any part in Star Wars anymore. Like the like with Carrie being gone and uh, Harrison not on board anymore. Like, well, of course, there's a clickbait article about that. They just pick out the sensational quote and run with it. There's there's just far too many people willing to lap that up without actually watching the interview or reading the article or whatever. I guess if if it was his last performance in the Last Jedi, it's still super worthy. But mm, really want to see him. In nine, yeah, I mean, yeah, his his performance was was stunning. It was so good. And I I watched the Last Jedi last night again. The movie just gets better for me every time I watch it. 
you know, by this point, I would think that the movie would level off and start to find its sort of place in my ranking. But it's it's pushing hard. It's pushing hard. It's it's already in my top three. It's already number three. And it's already it's it's pushing a little bit to see if it wants to nudge out a new hope. Which is which is ridiculous to say, but man, every time I watch it, I just it's just, it's, it's I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. Like I've seen it twice since I've owned it, and uh, man, there's just something about it. And uh, I, I have a I still have a hard time placing it, but it, it's up there. It's up there. Yeah. So anyway, I, I I do hope we get Luke. I mean, I wouldn't object to seeing Yoda again, but I I really do think that. It it needs to be Luke. Luke does does need to show up to Ray, and just for us as fans, just to see what Luke was before he kind of packed it in and, and ran away. I think that would that would be very beneficial to fandom, to be honest with you. All right. Lastly, here in the news, we have to issue out a congrats to Victoria Mahoney, who's been hired on as a second unit director by J.J. Abrams via uh, Ava DuVernay. So she's going to be the first woman to step behind the camera for a Star Wars movie. Pretty rad, right? Yeah, dude. This will begin to make things right. Honestly, like people have been shouting at Star Wars to do something like this, and uh, here it is. Like, like personally, like I, I've now read her bio, but I, I hadn't heard of her before. But you know, if the, the company and JJ are confident in her, then I'm totally on board and. I'm sure she's going to do a great job. Yeah. <laughs> like, who am, who am I to say, oh, they screwed up their choice on second AD. I have no idea what, what that person even does. Even though it says, I think, in the report, which I, yeah, on the on the Hollywood Reporter, I think it kind of quotes as saying, uh, second unit directors lead a crew to capture additional footage, such as establishing shots and stunts. Now, I'm sure it's, that that's a, a massive oversimplification of of the role that's yeah, pretty heavy and i mean that in, in itself is already a big deal but i'm sure it's it's a lot more than that but you know what for, for me you know as you know watching this whole thing unfold last week you know this person getting the job as a woman and as a person of color I, I, all i had to do is take a look at twitter and seeing the reactions of people in those groups and they're they're like absolutely jumping for joy. They're so happy. So like people who aren't pasty, well catered to white folks like me, they, like you can see how much this gesture meant to to them. And that's all I need to to be happy with this move. That, that I I thought Star Wars did a great great thing there, for sure. And keeping it in perspective too, right? Like it's not like okay, everybody, you got your your person in Victoria Mahoney now, pipe down. Keeping in perspective, it's still just a second, second AD. There's still, I think, there's still a lot of bridges to cross, but this is a good start, and I, I think of she's. Course. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure she'll do a a wonderful job in her capacity. So, congratulations to Ms. Mahoney. All right, that's it for the news. Not a whole lot of news this week, but uh, hopefully that will pick up soon with Solo around the corner. So let's uh, let's step away for a sec here, Corey, and then we'll come back. And we'll jump into the binary sunset, kicking it all off as usual with the man on holiday. It's ads. Hello, lads. Okay, so my question this week. Um, imagine being one of the lucky ones 
who was able to experience a new hope without anything else out there to consume or to distract. Imagine going into Empire Strikes Back, not knowing of X, Y or Z, and about to experience them for the first time. You've got Yoda, you've got Atat Walkers, you've got Force Ghosts that you can actually see. And also, the appreciation of not just a blue lightsaber, um, but that they come in other colours as well. Imagine that moment when Vader lights up his red lightsaber. It must have been incredible. Just wow. So this is less of a question, more of a discussion starter. Put yourself into the cinema just before Empire Strikes Back starts. And then again, two hours later. What are you thinking? What emotions have you got? Which bits for you are making you go, wow, I did not see that coming. I did not expect that. Enjoy. Take care. There goes ads. Thank you, sir. Great question again this week. Check out ads, by the way, on the Green Door podcast with James and May. All right, Corey. So imagine you're seeing Empire in cinema for the first time. There's been, it's not social media age. It's just you and your passion and the people around you for Star Wars. What are you thinking and feeling the first time you go see Empire? Impossible to answer, but but go wild. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same page like you just said. Like there's pretty much no spoilers, no internet, which is kind of really hard to think about at this point. But uh, we definitely know that the Vader thing with Luke never leaked because. There was like three people who know, knew about that, so that wasn't happening. I think it's all situational as well, depending how old you are. Like if I'm take take the scenario where I am right now in my life, uh, I'm pretty sure I would have very much enjoyed it. Like if I was on board with the first Star Wars, which I'm sure I would have been, uh, especially back then, I would have been happy that they kind of took it like up a notch in a big, big way. Not only from a storytelling perspective, but like visual effects everything like lucas again he threw everything at this film just like he did a new hope you know like he almost went broke doing it so everything about it uh, the the lando lando coming back han being frozen the i am your father moment the luke and leia connection like so many things going on there there is another uh i think my mind would have been absolutely blown and i'm again i'm quite sure that i would have loved it and been so thankful to have been there yeah i mean it depends i think it really depends on how old you were when you see that movie well it's like like i kind of get what you're saying you're going to say something along the lines like okay like the first one was like this joy ride right but even though it was groundbreaking and revolutionary from a visual uh visual effects standpoint like maybe a lot of people thought it was going to go down that road again but like they they did so much more and it was so much more believable too like yeah i mean it's but again i think i think people at the time were shocked because like you like exactly like you said it it wasn't what they had seen three years prior it wasn't at all the same yeah and i really think it depends like if you're a little kid and you watch empire I think a lot of things go over your head anyway. Like you just don't pick up on things. You're not, you're not there yet mentally, emotionally. It's, you can't process a lot of that stuff. 
So maybe you miss some, like some of the more subtle things. And if you're a teenager and you think you know everything and you're invincible, maybe, maybe you think it's really cool or maybe you think it really sucks. I think that's, it, it's really, and I would even extend that to somebody who's like now a, a too cool for school kind of like 20 something. You know what I mean? Like you might, you might be ragging on Empire a little bit. So I, I, I don't know. I think if, if I'm me today seeing Empire for the first time and I'm you know late 30s, early 40s, I probably dig it. But it, it probably probably is like kind of like The Last Jedi where you need to see it a few times and process a lot of this stuff. Yeah, Espe- exactly. And the, the Vader reveal. Good Lord, I don't know how... I, I, I don't even know <laughs> where you go with that. You either believe it or you don't. It's, it's just a very different film from A New Hope. And like you said, I, I can guarantee you that if Twitter and social media was alive and well back then there would be mad backlash just like the the last jedi is getting oh sure but i again i think the the backlash for both movies is maybe a little bit overblown i think it's a very it's a very very vocal minority who believe they're the majority just because like when you go check out a comment section and it's all people bitching well they, you all you see is people bitching so that must be representative of everybody but I don't think it is. I think that just angry people hang around longer to vent their frustration. Whereas people who are satisfied, they, they move on with their life. That's just kind of the way I see that thing. Um, Yeah, I mean, like Star Wars grew up a lot in Empire, right? It became a whole lot more mature. Yeah, it opened up like the doors to a whole new galaxy and so many new characters. And like, again, it just seems so much more refined as a film. And it was a perfect, like, uh, I just, there was something magic about that movie. Like, I just can never put my finger on it, but just Dagobah, like, the works. It's, it's, I think the magic is in what they got you to believe in. And that, that, that speaks to Mark Hamill's performance and Frank Oz's performance as Yoda. It's like, Mark had to sell Yoda to us. And he did. Like, you really believe that Yoda is a living, breathing creature. And the things he's just, he's talking about, like, why am I listening to this little green frog talk about you know the the complexities of the galaxy, of this mystical energy field? Why is why am I listening to him? But you are, and you believe it, and you definitely feel like this guy knows what he's talking about. I, I yeah, think that's like a lot the of the thing. magic of the movie. Yeah, like the the fog that's always on Dagobah. It's like like Luke said, it's it's something out of a dream. Yeah, I, I I hope, I think, I would have liked Empire. There's never been a moment in my life where I did not like Empire. Well, that, that's the test, right? Like, we've seen the movie together for the first time, and I can't say, I remember I was scared, and I probably, I didn't watch the whole thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that I didn't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's just viscerally maybe a little too much for you at the time. But I always enjoyed Empire, even as a small kid, like under 10 years old. But it's great how times change like that too because like as a kid, I think my favorite sequence was the Battle of Hoth for sure. Yeah. You know, and then it kind of moves on and there's all kinds of different scenes like uh, the chamber in, on Cloud City. like. Yeah, like for, for me, like the first 40 minutes until the, the end of the Battle of Hoth and the asteroid chase, 
then I always felt like the movie sort of slowed down and it was harder for the movie to hold my attention just because there's there's not a whole lot of things blowing up and that's that's what keeps a child's attention. Um, and then things pick up towards the end. But there was never a time where I was like, eh, I'm going to watch something else. Like, Empire was always steadily on the rotation. It, actually, it was A New Hope that was sort of the uh, third on the list when I was a kid. Yeah, I would think so. I just I always found it the slowest. It is the slowest. It's the slowest of the three movies. And yeah, I, I kind of penalized it for that as a kid. Which which sounds silly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, I I hope that uh, you know me in 1980 seeing Empire, I hope I would have had the same feeling as I did for the last Jedi. Yeah, I would think it'd be even greater than the the "I am your father" moment. That was pretty. Must have been pretty mind blowing. Yeah, see, I guess the the downside for people like us who weren't quite old enough to see it in theaters is that, like, we didn't have time to really sit there and think about it. We just saw the movies kind of almost like back to back to back as young kids. It was the whole movie was sort of into our digestive system before we really got to talk about it. So it was just you know before we we got the reveal and then we got the answer, so we didn't have we didn't have that time to sit there and say is it true could he be lying oh wait he's not lying, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Curious to know what you guys out there think. Great question, ads. All right, let's check in with Bradley. This is about uh, the the deleted scenes from the Last Jedi. So if you haven't watched those yet and you have the ability to, go check those out because you you'll need that in this next segment but let's listen to bradley's question this week hey guys brother here with this week's star wars question so uh let's talk deleted scenes i think enough time has passed for everyone to have uh, picked up the blu-ray and checked them out so in the words of lando calarusian you might want to buckle up baby so let's get to it opening scene didn't care for glad they went with what they uh what we saw in the movie Page on the gun. Didn't mind the scene. Um, once again, liked what they had in the movie. Luke has a moment. This scene was hard to watch. It's hard to uh, see someone broken and um, the weight of everything hitting them at once. And so, yeah, that was hard to watch Luke um, sit there and um, just pretty much seeing uh, a man broken. Uh, Poe, not much of a sewer. Didn't care for that scene at all. Glad that wasn't in the movie. It's kind of weird that you recorded that. Love that scene. I think uh, the reason why I like that scene so much is because we see BB-8 and Poe and just them having that moment. I think it sets up the uh, the um, story going forward a little bit better. Um, so I'm surprised that that scene wasn't in the movie. But... Um, it's not necessary to tell the story that they told, but uh, it would have been nice to see it in there. Uh, the caretakers sizing up Ray. Uh, I love this scene as well. Um, I just love the look that the caretaker uh, gives Ray as she's walking by. Uh, it uh, it's a nice little scene that's funny, and uh, I wish that was in the movie. Um, the caretakers village scene. Um, all I have to say about this scene 
you can tell that Ray's running abilities have improved and uh, that was nice to see. Um, the extended five-year scene, uh, didn't care for it, thought it was way too long. Um, Avery, my youngest daughter, didn't care for it as well because the Favier's got shot off the mountainside, and uh, which I agree with. I didn't, I didn't like it for uh, really that reason as well. Uh, the Mega uh, Destroyer incurs an extended version. Uh, the first part of this scene I didn't mind, um, but the elevator scene with the uh, stormtroopers and the uh, patting Finn on the rear and cracking jokes. Um, I'm glad they cut that scene. Didn't care for it much. Um, to me, it was kind of like the uh, the joke at the first of the movie. I thought it just went way way too long. Um, they had enough sense though to delete this one. Uh, Rose bites the hand that taunts her. Uh, actually, gained a little respect for Rose um, from this scene. Um, there's not much that I care about her character. Um, at least at the first, uh, uh, she's growing on me. So just like the movie, um, but I do like, her, uh, how she bites, uh, Hux's hand. Um, they probably cut this scene out, uh, for a number of reasons. Probably, uh, one reason is because, uh, it's just another person that, you know, that takes a shot at him that, uh, makes him look stupid. And so they just uh, eliminated that scene because they couldn't have just one more person uh, picking on him. Um, Phasma squeals like a whoop hog. I love this scene uh, for the fact that Phasma gets called out for uh, who she is. Um, this is my whole issue with Phasma to begin with. Um, no one in her position, uh, I, I would like to think no one in her position would have uh, made the decision that she did. That scene uh, I like just because uh, Finn calls her out for what she is. Um, we have Rose and Finn go to uh, where they belong. Um, this scene, uh, I like it. I don't mind it. Um, you you can tell by the uh, CG how well it's done. I mean, it's it's practically movie quality. Um, you can tell that this is possibly one of these scenes that uh, was cut last. Uh, next, we have Ray and Chewie in the Falcon. Um, this scene is okay. It's not necessary. I think we, we all put two and two together and figured out uh, Ray was on the Millennium Falcon. Um, and then the last one is the uh, costumes and creatures of Cantobite. To me, this didn't look like a deleted scene. It just looked like a bunch of uh, uh, creatures being filmed and, you know, just a typical montage of, of Canto Bite scenes, and they just decided to throw it in there. Um, it's neat to see, but, uh, you know, I don't think it was... Uh, I don't think we're missing out on anything uh, from it not being in the movie. So, <clears throat> there's my... Uh, you know, kind of quick thoughts and feelings on each one of the scenes. Uh, my question to you guys is, uh, uh, out of all of these, what's the one uh, deleted scene that you wish was in the movie? And um, I would have to say that the caretaker sizing up Ray uh, is the one scene that was deleted that I wish was uh, wish uh, had made it to the movie. Um, 
I just think it's um, a cute little scene. It doesn't take up much time, and it doesn't take away from anything in the movie. And that's uh, my answer to that question. Uh, looking forward to uh, y'all's answers. Uh, and, Corey, you can only pick one, okay? Um, you need to uh, take the advice of uh, Kyle and Carlos and just pick one. You can do it. I know you can. I have faith in you. Um, but always, guys, I'm looking forward to y'all's answers. And uh, y'all have a great podcast. And may the force be with you. Bye. All right. There goes our favorite Texan, Mr. Bradley W. Hall. Thank you, man. Um, how's everybody? How's Avery? How's the family? Let us know. Um, and Corey, I, this is going to be boring, but I agree with Bradley nearly across the board on this. Like the vast majority of the scenes that were cut, I, you know, I, I believe they had just reason to cut those out. Let's go through this list. I mean, Bradley did it once, but we'll, we're going to rock through this list. All right. So the alternate opening. Yeah. Didn't work for me as much as the, what actually we actually saw. Yeah. Like panning down to Finn's dome and the zoom out. Ah, don't like, like I, you know, back when Ryan Johnson was hired, one of my fears, you guys will remember that I was like, oh, he's going to try and be the smartest guy in the room. He's going to be trying to be so clever. Exactly. Yeah. This, this was too clever. Like that was him already doing that. And I'm, I'm glad that some, either himself or somebody said, no, no, just, just stick to the classic pan down to a planet with a ship involved. And I'm so happy for that. It would have been so tacky to pan down to Finn's dome. So a good call for deleting that. All right, over to uh, Paige's gun jams. So I, for me, it's simple. I think it's, it's unfortunate for Rose, but Paige had to go, and therefore I, there's no reason at all to spend any extra time with her. So good call. It's a very short 10-second little scene, I think, but uh, you, know, you got to save some time, and that, I think that was a good call. Yeah, well, it's for that very reason when you say it's that just 10 seconds of our time. It does give that character a little more depth, which I would have liked. And you see it clips in the real movie, the actual edit. You see it like clips to her like exhaling it would give a little more light to as to why she's exhaling. So I kind of would like to have seen that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have hurt anything, but I, I just think it streamlines things just a little bit. All right. Luke has a moment. I think I think everybody gets kind of hung up on this one because it's a beautiful scene. Mark acts it so well. Wow, what do you think? Uh, I mean, if I were to choose any, this is definitely my top two, to be honest. Uh, I love it. Like you said, like Mark Hamill absolutely just kills it. It breaks my heart, just like yours, Bradley. Um, poof. I don't, I don't know, like, and, and the transition to Leia at the end of it all is perfect, perfect. Like, yeah. it, it could have just worked so well within that movie, and there's no reason not to have done it. It was like, again, another additional 10 seconds. Like, what's up with that? I, I, I do see where Ryan was coming from in that. Oh, boy, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if he said this on the DVD, because I, I watched the deleted scenes with commentary on and off. And I don't know if he said this in the commentary or if I've read it somewhere else. Uh, but the reason it got cut is that, and I don't necessarily agree, but the reason it got cut is that it, it, allu it alludes too soon 
that Mark, uh, that Luke is reachable, that he would come back. Hmm. I was thinking that very same thing in a way, but uh, so yeah, I it's still work for me because it it like, sort of it it lifts the curtain on Luke. Like you get to see that oh, there is still that that you know the guy who cares is still in there. I think I think it's the way it turned out. It's really effective to see Luke sort of resigned to his fate. I think that moment, as beautiful as a moment as it is, I, I think that betrays that plot line. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's still torn. This doesn't know what he wants. Well, he knew what he wanted. He did know until Ray showed up. Even then, I don't think he... I think he was resolute in dying until he reconnected with Leia. And I think the way that scene is cut, this deleted scene is cut, heavily hints that you know at that connection way sooner in the movie. And I think it would have undercut the way that it eventually turns out. So I, I agree that it's it's such a great moment and it's a shame to have such a powerful moment cut out, but I, I think it was the right call. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so Poe, not much of a sower. What do you think? Meh. I like the fact that they incorporated it in the jacket, which is kinda cool. I think that's actually really neat in the design, but not necessarily necessary at the with the length of the film like uh, granted i could have seen it i could have went for it but uh not necessary totally not necessary um in watching the scene i, I don't know that poe listened to a single word finn said <laughs> so yeah i i don't know i think it's 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 where it belongs on the cutting room floor uh next it's kind of weird you recorded that like, i wouldn't mind seeing that and you know, I, I think Finn is hilarious. He always makes me laugh, and uh, I don't think this scene really would have hurt. No, yeah, I kind of agree with you there. All right, moving on. The caretaker sizes up Ray. Yeah, I uh, I actually kind of love that one as well. It's short, it's sweet, it's uh, nuanced. <laughs> you remember that one, Kyle? You're like, oh, is a caretaker's performance nuance <laughs> well that's how it's nuanced it was perfect like i i'm kind of on the same page with bradley like i don't know i won't say it's my favorite but uh definitely could have been left in there which again short sweet simple but uh, poignant yeah i liked it i really did uh, i would have liked that that scene in there uh, the caretaker stink guy is, is always good okay uh the caretaker village sequence so this is the famed third lesson sequence, and I th- it was more interesting than I thought, to be honest with you. Like, first of all, you get you get you get to see Chewie partying. He's finally got something good to eat in his hand. Nah, dude, that's like the best part of that whole scene. Almost <laughs> is Chewie just like meat, like yes, like look what I've got, sustenance. But it does make Luke look worse, even worse. The way he laughs at it all, yes. Had he not laughed and he went straight to his lesson, which was pretty goddamn awesome. Like, like it's a, a shakeup and a change for what the Jedi can be. Like he's saying, like, you just went on gut feeling, you know, like if you would have taught her the lesson in a different way, I won't I won't say that it, the pirate thing was all that cruel. Like I'm kind of down with that kind of teaching. Like, uh, But 
the way you approached it after, like laughing in her face and blah, blah, blah. But if it would have been like resolute in his stance and saying like, no, you're a different person. Like you can make your own decisions. Like what's right to you? Like the Jedi dogma is, doesn't have to like weigh you down. You know, you did what you thought was right for like so-and-so reason. And it just sheds a whole new light on what the Jedi can be and what, where Ray is going. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked all that pit, that whole part. You know, that's, that's why I said like this scene ended up being a lot more interesting than I thought. Um, it, it still makes me wonder whether or not they'll keep this lesson number three in canon. It's in the novelization. So I I don't know if they're going to, I guess they're going to have to keep it now, but I yeah, guess I would think so. That's why I thought it was kind of crappy that we didn't get to see it in the movie. Cause I remember at first we were like, before having known it was in the novelization, uh, we're like, Oh wow. They're saving it for, for part uh for episode nine as luke force goes like it's gonna be awesome well they uh, the novels are subject to being overwritten if jj really wants to do third lesson he's gonna do third lesson like it seems it seems rather incomplete to me to leave that open-ended on screen true i kind of agree with there but i absolutely love the lesson i mean they, they could bring it back on they could just transpose that lesson into episode nine in just a different form somehow they could do that but i don't know it's that's going to be a touchy one because like like i said as as it is now ray got two lessons out of the three that she was promised and it's sort of to me like a dangling thing like that should have been that that should be taken care of by the end on screen but that's again like i remember talking about this when the movie at first premiered and we we're talking about it it kind of even flew over my head on the first viewing so when we got down to talking about it on our first po- podcast having viewed it i was like oh my god like i didn't even realize that we didn't get the third lesson you know that's so cool like we're gonna get this lesson in episode nine and it's gonna be awesome and uh we'll see all right next uh, extended father chase what do you got here <laughs> <laughs> okay then <laughs> yeah i i think this version on the on the blu-ray is maybe a bit too long yeah i think at this point like um having watched it it was way too long it's like you, ryan like whoa you're having too much fun here like yeah <laughs> i'm I, watching them at a point going through the streets and then bouncing off the cars and whatnot i was like okay like this is really being dragged out yeah it it went on too long at first i was watching and going this is really good like this should be in in the movie i thought the the father chase in the movie was maybe a little bit too short but then watching this one it's like wow okay this is way too long like so much work think of it this way like so much so much work was put into those sets the stunts all that stuff and and seeing all those naked little aliens (laughs) yeah in the massage parlor come on that would have been so funny like so, some of it was good. Don't get me wrong. Like it was nice to see more aliens and these speeders too were kind of really cool. Yeah, no kidding. Like so much went but into it, that scene. But that's it. It's like how long do you need these things to be bashing through walls and going through the city? And you know what I mean? Like, like they, it really yeah, they, seemed dragged out. They really tore up the town in this one. And we we you don't see that nearly as much in the in the uh, theatrical incarnation. Like it's. They rip up the town of Canto Bight. Like the father is running ac- across the roofs. That was pretty cool. I, like I would have specifically liked to have seen that shot kept in. Like that was fun. 
yeah, let's say like it, we, they could have taken a little, few more snippets of it and yeah, put it in. Yeah, just a few more shots, like extend it by maybe like 15 seconds or so. Ah, well. But I, I'm with Avery, though. Like the, the scene where they got, they're running up the mountainside and one of them gets picked off by the police speeder. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't need, I, I'm totally with Avery on that one. That's That's a bit much. Yeah, it's kind of like the first time I saw Jedi and, and Ewok died, and I remember like asking you, and you were like, I don't know, don't touch me. <laughs> Something like that. It was like watching Optimus die. It was like, it was, no, no. Scrubbed from my memory. All right, the Mega, Mega Destroyer Incursion, the extended version. I, I thought it was way too long. Way too long. Even if it did have Tom Hardy's cameo and the princes on that elephant, the elevator. Turbo lift. I'm sorry. It was it was kind of funny, but it just didn't fit. Yeah, went to, I'm, I'm glad they cut it. Honestly, like again, there was a lot enough humor in this film already. So uh, yeah, didn't fit. Yep, didn't fit. That's it. Gone. Um, it was creative though. I'll give him, you know, creativity. It was worth a shot. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, you're you're better off having too much than too little. Okay, Rose bites the hand that taunts her. Like I like what Bradley had to say about this about Hux, that it just it made him look like a punchline again. I didn't really consider that when I watched it, but like I, the only good thing about this scene for me is that it lets us know where BB-8 is in relation to the whole mess in that hangar. Like he just sort of disappears, right? Yeah, it's true. Makes that transition to to him blowing things up a little more believable. That's true, because a lot of people definitely got hung up on that. Ooh, boy. <laughs> I didn't see that much criticism towards that. Did you? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. I think that was one of the major qualms with the film, like the comedy within and BB-8 controlling this thing. And I actually thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, well, like you know, some people, as they get older, forget how to have fun. I <laughs> guess. Yeah. But I, I actually very much enjoyed the scene. I just again, like like Bradley had said, like it kind of gave him a little more respect for Rose. Like she had a little tough cookie, her. <laughs> sure. Phasma squealed like a whoop hog. I, I'd love to see what a whoop hog looks like, and I would think I should add it to the list of of tasty creatures. But again, I I agree with Bradley, and I'm glad Phasma got called out. I wish somehow that could have happened because she sucks. Uh, it's kind of a cool scene. But knocking off Phasma's hand looked downright silly. Where do you land on this one? Yeah, I wasn't a really huge fan of the scene. Like, I liked, again, like you guys said, like, she got called out. And even, like, it kind of gives you uh, a bit of empathy for stormtroopers just because they're actually, like, listening to Finn. You know what I mean? Like, so you're kind of, like, starting to side a bit with the Empire or the First Order in a way, you know? Like, you're like, hmm, these guys actually may not be that bad. Well, I think, I think that when you look at that scene and pair it with uh, the elevator scene with Tom Hardy, you kind of know it sort of makes it clear that the stormtroopers looking at Finn, they know who he is. They understand where his place is in that story, even though the fabricated story that he was actually a double agent, like they know he's FN two and eight seven. And so when he squeals on Phasma, they they tend to believe him because he's one of them, and it's not that big a leap for for the stormtroopers to believe another stormtrooper. 
Like, so. It kind of makes me wonder, too, like the fact that her mask was already cracked open. Like, how did that happen? Did she fall already and then manage to live that fall? Like, or was it just in battle that it happened that he cracked her in the face and then the battle continued? Uh, good question. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Um, yeah, but what do you, like Phasma losing her hand? Like, was that just Ryan squeezing it in because somebody has to lose their hand? In a Star Wars movie, because it it looked really bad. Uh, no, I'm always down for a good like, yeah, like uh, what do you call it? I don't want to say mutilation, but dismembering. Deca- yeah, yeah, good dismembering in Star Wars. I'm kind of missing that. <laughs> well, I, I was kind of even surprised a bit that uh, even earlier comments on Finn's character, like how he was going to be pretty messed up. And it was, they even mentioned like, Oh, it's going to show in the film and he's going to come back bigger, bigger and better than ever. Okay. Like, yeah, okay. The back, the suit got it, but I was really hoping to get a little more in depth there. Like his injuries were quite serious. Like the cross guard through the shoulder, like this, the back injury, like they could have got into that a little more. Well, you can see Kylo's, the shoulder injury from where he got poked in the shoulder. You can just imagine Finn's is somewhat similar. Yeah, but just the the repercussions thereafter. Like learning to walk again? You wanted, you wanted to see him in physio? No, but at least experiencing pain or like not being – not running at 100% like it was. Well, yeah, he may have spent like the long weekend in a back-to-tank and, or a back-to-suit and suddenly he's he's mint again. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of like, ooh, I was hoping you'd be like, oh, like. Yeah, he just like, fell right off the, the table onto the floor and it was like, I'm good to go. Let's let's get out of here. Like Frodo or Aragon, like got that, that wound that never kind of really heals. Maybe it comes back into play in nine, but I, I guess I doubt it at this point. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. We have uh, Rose and Finn go to where they belong. I I. This didn't quite fit, but I love that Finn says, you know, I think Rose asks him, where are we going? And he says, where we belong. So that's sort of a nod to where, to to Finn, where he, now he believes. Like he's not, he's not going to run anymore, that he believes he's part of the fight. I like that, yeah, but. Uh, I liked it. I could have went either way, but I, I felt like it overall it just didn't quite fit. Yeah, at the, at the timing of it all. Exactly. Like you're 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 going to meet like your doom pretty much, and it's kind of like a real, too much of a, an optimistic moment. But I, I like the insight on Finn. All right, and Ray and Chewie in the Falcon. This is like this was what seven seconds maybe. Is Ray and Chewie coming around the mountainside, and they're seeing the ATM sixes and Adats just blasting away on something. They probably don't know that it's Luke. And they just say, oh, okay, mate, let's take the back door. And they just peel off. And that's the whole scene. It's like six seconds, seven seconds. Um, Kind of cool, a little bit funny, but really slices into the intensity of the moment. A good cut, from, in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of agree. I would like to have seen them more in another capacity in that scene, but uh, not necessarily like that. Agree. Uh, and then lastly is the costumes and creatures of Canto Bite, which is more of a like compilation video of of uh, the casino and all the denizens of the casino. You know, all, I guess, yeah, it, it was pretty cool to see. I mean, a shame to see all that work from the creature and costuming department go to waste. 
But uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe they could have slipped in a few extra shots here and there. But overall, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, definitely. I think the if there was one part of the budget that could have been tightened up in this production, probably would have been Canto Bite. Yeah, I guess maybe they just weren't entirely sure how much they were going to need it in the editing room. So, yeah, that's it. It's like it's like a good meal, you know. You uh, always cook a little too much, just so that everyone gets exactly the amount they want. All right. So the one thing we have to do is cho- like which which of these scenes would you wish they had kept? To me, it's, it's it boils down to the caretaker village scene, and Luke has a moment. I think I'm going to go with Luke has a moment just because, again, like Mark's performance and the fact that he's he is touching base with Leia. It wouldn't have been too early for me and him establishing his connection with Leia in the forest. Like, totally would have went with it. Perfect transition to me within that film. So Star Wars and so touching. With, you know, the space twins. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I love the moment. I probably would not have complained if it was in there just because the moment is so powerful. But I, I, I do kind of think that it, it sells out Luke. It softens him up much sooner than it needed to. Uh, I'm going with um, the caretaker sizes up, Ray. <laughs> the caretaker stink guy is, is, is perfect. I mean, all this just kind of, for me, speaks to... Uh, Ryan and the editors, they got it right. I I think they, they kind of pieced together the movie as it should be. Like all the, all these scenes. Now, of course there are far more than what we've seen here, but they, we got a pretty good cross section of stuff that was cut out. And I, I tend to agree with almost, almost all of it. Yeah. Almost. I would say there's a couple, a couple of things in here that can go back into the film and it would have added not even a minute, probably runtime. Yeah, maybe you're probably right. All right, Bradley, great question, man. I'd like to hear what everybody else has to say on these deleted scenes. Okay, let's jump into Katie again. Let's hear what Katie has to say this week. She says, "Hello again, guys. You know the drill. What is your favorite stormtrooper moment? Mine would have to." be the fight between Finn and TR-8R, the stormtrooper that Finn fought with on Takodana. Even though that trooper died, that was probably the best fighting we'd seen from a trooper for a while. Maybe ever. Uh, Most of the time, they can't hit a barn door. Anyway, that fight was awesome, the choreography was spot on, and the weapon that TR-8R should I just call him traitor? used looked crazy. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts Plus, I just wanted to say that after the most recent solo trailer, I am so ready for it. Can't wait to see Glover kill it as Lando. Keep up the great work as always, Katie. I agree with you there on that last part there, Katie. Donald Glover is going to run away with this. <laughs> it's going to be silly. All right, Corey, your top Stormtrooper moment from the OT. From, I guess, does that limit us to OT? No. I guess, yeah, sequel trilogy too. Not only that. Rebels? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to loophole this a little bit. A loophole little bit. of the week. Loophole of the week. Here we go. So it's gonna be uh, from an episode called Stealth Strike. What I really love about this episode, looking back on it, is Rex and Kanan's relationship. It's them two, and they're really having a hard time coming together because Kanan 
is jaded by these clone troopers who betrayed him and his master and he has serious issues with big time trust issues big time trust issues with rex and rex is kind of you know being the bigger man and his wisdom he extended the olive branch he's trying to make kanan realize he's not like them but when it was all said and done like they basically they they dress up as some stormtroopers they infiltrate this place to to get them out uh my favorite scene i guess i'm gonna my loophole is ezra basically shooting both of them and they're like you shot us like uh like with his you know staple gun stun gun saber right so uh, pretty hilarious but by the end of it all kanan and rex like they form that that like uh they're brothers by the end you know they have this mutual respect they they really do trust each other by the end of it all and it's it's a powerful friendship sure that's a good moment. If I had to choose a Stormtrooper moment from Rebels, I think it'd be probably – it may even be from that episode or in and around that that era of Rebels where Rex – he's wearing the armor and he realizes it doesn't do anything and he gets super – he's super mad at the armor and he, he – I think he chucks his helmet and knocks out a Stormtrooper with it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> this, Very the, well could be that one. I think it is actually. He just he just makes this hilarious comment about how this new armor is so cheap and doesn't protect at all, like the old clone clone trooper armor. I, it was a really funny moment, but for me, uh, like first impressions mean everything to me. And the stormtroopers uh, raiding the Tanta before from a New Hope that is, I'll I'll never forget those those opening moments of the film and the the door starts sparking and. What the hell's coming through that door? And then it just and a the, bunch the of music, the violins, all of it, all of that. And stormtroopers, stormtroopers just come pouring through that door, tripping and... on one another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's that. That's my moment for sure. Like it set the tone for this fighting force that they're not really to be reckoned with. Although I, I guess at the, you know, as the movies went on. You realize, like Katie said, they can't hit the side of a barn. But in that moment, like it's a tone setter, right? Like we're supposed to feel threatened by these guys in white. Anyway, the, the message was received from Uncle George in that scene for me. No doubt. I guess there's a bunch of other moments too, right? Move along. Yeah, for sure. There's a ton of them. Yeah, yeah, I I think for me they all kind of stem from a new hope. Really, if I had to choose, it, it would all they'd all come out of a new hope. After that, they seem to have all just become. What about the, the guy that bumps his head there? He's actually made a name for himself in the con circuit. I'm oh, sure. that guy. They left it in there. Yeah, but I, you hear stormtroopers talking. You hear the their personalities a little bit. And I think beyond that, into Empire and Jedi, I don't think you hear them at all. Like they, they just become sort of totally, uh, like monotone after that, homogenized. Well, well, that's the thing. I'm really interested in that, in the sense that the OT and all that stuff, they, the the prequel trilogy didn't get a chance to explain it all that much because they were clones. But I, I find the sequel trilogy, like you know, these deleted scenes and stuff, it's been interesting to see. Uh, these troopers kind of having a bit of a mind more of their own. 
Yeah. I agree. All right, Katie, there you go. There's our answers for this week. Looking forward to your next question in this series of favorites. Thank you very much, Katie. All right, let's turn things over to Mr. Ryan Bullock, Razakai Ren on Twitter. He says this week, okay, this might be a tough question. Do you think there will ever be balance in the Force and peace in the galaxy? Right, let's start, he's got a second question, but let's start there, Corey. Nah, take, you should say the whole question, though, because it right, all so, ties in. Sure. Do you think there will ever be balance in the Force and peace in the galaxy? And will Ben Solo be redeemed? And I, I I think the simple answer to both is yes. And I'm leaving my my personal desires to the side for for that answer. I think achieving balance is kind of inevitable. That's what the Force wants, and that seems to be what the goal is these days. Um, yeah, that's kind of seemingly always the end game for the Jedi is to restore balance to the Force. What's your take on that one? Yeah, um, kind of exactly on the same page. Like, it's such a large and vast question that you kind of kind of look at it from a simple standpoint. And like you said, like I think that is the name of the game right now is balance. And I I do honestly think that will happen. And I don't know how Kylo will re- be redeemed and how we're gonna view it. I, again, I want him to see. I want to see it happen, but in the right way, in the sense that, you know, they're not going to glorify him from a certain point of view, but I think the balance will come between him and Ray. Like somehow these two are opposite ends of the spectrum that can meet in that middle ground, which is usually the balance, you know? So the equilibrium. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I think something I said maybe last week or the week before that, we have to kind of separate forgiven from redeemed. That's true too. But I, I can see him doing the right thing at one point. Like even though he's a monster and all that, he's such a torn character. And even Adam driver believes it as well that, you know, like what's the point if he's not. So I, I honestly think that, you know, like I've said it before, maybe the first order gets out of control, out of his, out of his control, kind of like, and their goals are a little too extreme almost. And I don't, I don't know what it's going to take. Like Ray's going to have to – like Ray almost had him too, you know? She, and he has a connection to her. So if anyone can do it, it's her. But it has to be the, the right way. It can't be like an over-glorification of him. I don't know. Just doing something super heroic or – yeah, like I just don't know what he's going to do. Like it would be if if Snoke were around, this would be easy, right? It would be like Snoke is going to kill Rey and Kylo sacrifices himself for her. But we've we have seen that before. Yeah, I don't even want it to be sacrificed. I want him to like be sacrificed to bring balance. Like his departure will kind of, you know, bring things around. Yeah, I just I just have a hard time seeing any kind of motivation for him to sacrifice himself, to give himself up, or to, you know, to come back. It would be his sp- mom. She's like, we gone. Still don't know. I know, but we don't know the circumstances behind that. <clears throat> and again, like we don't know what the first order's end game is. Really, is it like total destruction? Is 
is that really what he wants? Like, he seems like he's still kind of like a, a bit of like, he's a loving guy, but he just kind of lost it all along the way. Like he's so torn, which I love. Like, I don't want him to be resolute in his eviledom. Well, that's, that's where we leave him right at the end of the last Jedi. He's just, he's full on madman. Unless you want to read into that look, that puppy dog look in his eyes as Ray slams the door in his face. Well, that's it. They they have a connection again. So if it's it's between them two to figure this out, right? And she like she kind of severs that connection. Just literally, figuratively, figuratively slams the door in his face. And the, the look on his face in that moment is, "I'm alone again." Yep. At least that's so true. Kind of how I look at it. Of course. And I, he probably doesn't enjoy that very much. But again, like if if he considers himself the supreme ruler now, and he's the acknowledged leader of the first order, like does he have respect across the first order? Is is the first order completely rudderless under his control, and it's it's a complete mess? It's it's, it's completely wide open. But it's I, it's gonna be really interesting to see where they go with this, especially with the time jump and all that. Because you can't, I don't think you can have him survive episode nine, can you? I don't think so, to be honest. After all he's done, I, I don't think you can have him live. I mean, if this is the end of the Skywalker saga, yeah, you can't, you can't, he can't be alive. Otherwise, well, oh, here Kylo Ren's gonna lead episode ten at some point. They're gonna bring back the Skywalker saga. It's gonna be him. And the bloodline, and the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's yeah i i got i gotta imagine he's done for he, he might do something re- redemption worthy in bringing balance or in, in sh- helping to shut down the first order but that, again like i said that's that's different from forgiveness because at this point i i as a viewer i don't know that we can forgive him well he's got some explaining to do he's he's, he's just a monster he ordered those villagers killed for no reason. They could have easily left those people alive. Ah. Yes, yes, I know what you mean, but, you know, I guess got to walk a mile in his shoes, too. You don't know what he's been through. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're defending a guy for mass murder? Well, and the forces at play and, you know, got people like Snoke kind of manipulating you, trying to make an impression. Look, you're I'm just still, that evil. You're still responsible for your actions. And he, he ordered the murder of dozens of poor, innocent people. I, I that you know that, that that's gotta be one of the worst things he's done. Certainly one of the worst things he's done, aside from you know, killing one of our heroes, which is just one guy. The temple. Oh god, the temple? Like he's he's not a good guy. He has done some serious war crimes. You just don't go. Oh well, you did one nice thing, Mister War Criminal. We'll let the rest slide. Same thing with Vader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ne- well, he never achieved forgiveness. From Luke, he did. I think there's more to come with that. You're. I think generally you're right. But it didn't come from Le- with Leia, and half the galaxy still was like, yeah, no, Vader, not not good, not my guy. 
Yeah, but they didn't know the truth about Vader that he turned the Emperor and all that. It still doesn't erase killing, being responsible for killing millions of people. It's, it's, and it still doesn't erase you like butchering children. Well, that, that, either way, that it could have something been... you cannot undo. True, but at the same time, it could have been like a spark of hope throughout the entire galaxy. You know, at that point, and the Return of the Jedi, the battle had been won. It wouldn't have hurt to have been like, and you know what? It's all because of Darth Vader. He threw his boss down that pipe that into the trench, killing him. And yeah, like I, I don't think it would have hurt. And people have been like, really? Darth Vader like turned good? Okay, that monster, like there's there's hope for all of us. Does that does that moment lose any of its power considering if if they'd waited just like thirty seconds longer, the Death Star would have blown up anyway. Right? Like, Lando and Wedge destroyed the, the reactor. So Palpatine was going to die regardless. Oh, he probably had his little security measures there. Nah, he had no idea. If he if he thought for one second that the shield was down at, <laughs> and they were about to destroy the Death Star, he would have hightailed it out of there. No doubt in my mind he would have hightailed it out of there. He was sticking around zapping Luke because it was fun. But isn't he dead by the time the shield's blown? Uh, oh boy, it's been a while since I've seen Jedi. What's the order of events there? That's it. I'd have to rewatch it again. But I'm pretty sure that's the case. Like, it zips back. Well, I think once he... Yeah, once he dies, the shield is already down. Because I think... Oh, boy. Once Palpatine is tossed down the shaft... I think... The next scene is the sh- is Lando and the ships flying into the reactor. Is that what happens? God damn it! I think that's yeah, I think they're me. skimming the surface of the Death Star, and they and that's where they hang a hang a hard left into the into the door into the port, whatever you want to call it. Boy, are we rambling? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think if Palpatine sensed any danger with his with his battle station, he would have been like, whoa. I'm out of here. See you guys. Uh, no, he. There's no way. You can't tell me that he didn't see that he saw that coming. Boy, are we off topic. <laughs> Raining in. All right. So I think we both agree, though, that yeah, balance of the force is coming. Peace in the galaxy will follow. And because well, that's the other thing, right? Like peace in the galaxy always kind of falls apart because some dark side force user. Like, sows the seeds of war by upsetting the balance of the Force. Yeah. That's, it's going to be kind of interesting. And Like, I'd like to see a merging of the two, kind of. Like, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I want it to be deep and profound. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know how they're going to tackle it. I just... Like, Ray stands on, like, the the polar end of good. And I don't want her to take steps towards Kylo in the middle. You know what I mean? Like I want her to stay good. I don't want to have to her. I don't want her to blur her lines, just to meet some a hole in the middle. So it's very tricky. Like because then you spend episode nine saying Ray was sliding towards the dark side, and Kylo came back to the to the light. They met in the middle. Uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that will happen. Just because Ray is Ray, like she's she, so she good, can, she can justify her actions. Like I can see Ray, like you know, like killing people and being like, yeah, that that's what needed to be done. No way, no way. Then that completely that destroys the caretaker village sequence. Lesson three. Well, she was gonna kill those pirates. What do you think she was going there for? It's not like she was gonna be like stop. In the name of the force. No, no, she was going. She was going to help. <laughs> she was going to help the caretakers, like I, by defending them, right, and but, killing uh, if necessary. Right, but it sounds like you're saying that. At least it sounded like you said that. She no, would she let. She would let people die if that's what would bring balance. Well, those people got to die. Like, there's no way she would stand by and watch people die. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, no, she's stop in the name of the force. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) It's pretty good. No, it's not. It made me laugh. Well, you're probably baked. Yeah, I'm getting there. (laughs) Uh, You're Ryan. You're right. That is a tough question. All right. But thank you, sir. Razakai Ren people. Check him out. Ryan's a good dude. And now let's move into the double barrel of Jeff's to close out the show. Let's check in with the Metal Mando. Hey guys, Jeff here from sunny Fort Myers, Florida. And I'm feeling it tonight. Been watching that latest Han Solo trailer a few times here and there lately. And a couple things I noticed. Um, that droid, was it a droid that was refilling Lando's drink there? I'm not sure if that was a droid or not, but that's kind of a droid I want to have hanging around. You know what I mean? And um, Han Solo's speeder kind of kind of kicked butt. Reminded me of those muscle cars from the 60s, which I love. Uh, you know, the old Chevelles, GTOs, the Plymouth Challengers, and uh, GTXs. Kind of like that a lot. So what I want to ask you guys is, if you could have one droid... From the Star Wars universe, just kind of hanging out in your house, doing his thing, you know, just maybe, you know, just having fun with it, or maybe you can be functional. I mean, which droid would you actually choose to actually own from the whole Star Wars universe? And which vehicle? I'm going to keep it small, you know, like a like a speeder, a speeder bike, maybe a um, you know one two man type fighter. Which kind of, which kind of vehicle would you like to just have parked in your garage? You know, you can just like take out for a spin anytime you want. And really quick, mine is uh, for as far as the droid. I'm, I'm going with the mouse droid. I mean, I think my two cats would really enjoy having that thing running around the house. You know, they can you know, have a great time with that. And as far as the, you know, vehicle, I'm gonna go with uh, the Starfighter, Anakin Starfighter from Revenge of the Sith. You know, just just a one-man cockpit vehicle, you know, just you want to go out, do your own thing, have some me time. You know, seems like it's pretty fast, good agility, uh, somebody kind of gets on your nerves in front of you, you know, just maybe cutting you off, you know, give them a little blast in the rear end with your blasters there, you know, no big deal, just let them know you're there. But, yeah, for this week, guys, what, what would be your favorite droid? to own, have hanging around in your house for whatever reason, pleasure, functionality, and uh, what kind of vehicle, you know, speeder, slash, 
starfighter? Would you want to have hang around your garage? You can just kind of take off for a spin and have a good time. So for that week, guys, this is a metal Mando, and I am out of here. All right, Corey, if you could have... like, Are you just going to flip right over to R2? Is it that easy? Or are you going to go with Chopper? I'm not even taking names. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just... It boiled down to Protocol Droid and Astromech. Both super-duper handy. You didn't go with Gonk? No, I, I already have a Gonk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i kind of i don't know both have their ups but i really went with astromech just because they seem so handy so loyal so like clutch clutch of the moment so yeah uh, and on my twitter profile too astromech lover uh i guess it was written in the stars for you like that's that's pretty predictable right i guess <laughs> <laughs> Well, I figured you for sure we're going to go with R2 or Chopper. It's a mismatch of both. I, I, you know, I'm still thinking about the name, and I can't figure it out. The, the droid that Steven Stanton voiced in Rebels. Why can't I think of it? AP5? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> I would have AP5 here in, an, in a heartbeat. Oh, dude, you didn't, you didn't end up breaking him apart. <laughs> oh, no. Stop. They'd be like, shut up. I would, that, that morose sense of humor, I could, that that would make me, entertain me to no end. So well, if you understood Chopper too. I, well, I suppose, and I, I guess Chopper is more useful. But I, I don't know, the AP5 voice is just, Steven Stanton just kills it. That's true. It's That's too funny. Good. AP5 is my answer. That's it. Moving on. Uh, okay, so Jeff's second question. What kind of speeder or small ship would you have parked in your garage, Corey? Well, you know, keeping it small, I almost I almost want to loophole this one too and like make like a Star Wars rat rod. Just play it straight for once. Modified speeder, mix of different oh. rebel ships. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I do not accept that answer. But uh, yeah, okay. Well, it's still going to be a bit of a rat rod because it could be a mishmash of parts. But it's a uh, A-wing based. A-wing based. Yeah, like a rat rod A-wing. That I, you know what? Let's even say that it's just a speeder. Like it doesn't even have space capability anymore. That's why I'd like to get maybe like parts of like an X-wing in there somehow. Like I don't know. It'd be cool to like piece some things together. You know. All right. Yeah. Once and again, then I, I can't then give I can a straight shoot. answer. No, it's not that I hard. Get my, my uh, astromech in there as well. It's just Help not that out. hard to give a straight answer. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I had... A wing. I said A wing. Come on. Yeah, you said A wing. All right. I well, I did what you did, and I just have like a bunch of options here, and I'll, I'll narrow it down as I go. Uh, Maul's little speeder bike from the Phantom Menace. Super awesome. Yeah, I think had pickup. <laughs> that thing's rad, man. Um, my favorite starfighter in all of Star Wars, Anakin's his his Jedi starfighter from the Tartakovsky series. Mm. That is my favorite starfighter in all of Star Wars. Um, and that little boosted hot rod from Attack of the Clones, that yellow one, the hot rod looking thing that Anakin steals. 
That's cool. That's a pretty cool little speeder too. I wouldn't mind having any of those in my garage. It's all about the way it backs out of the garage and takes off. Yeah, I think I think that hot rod is probably what I'd go with. The others are just too inflexible. Like the Mall's bike, probably the most fuel efficient, which counts for something. But you know, it's a single seater. You, that's it. I can't I can't have anybody in the car with me. Uh, same with the Starfighter. As cool as it is, everywhere I go, it's got to be by myself, which leaves that that boosted speeder. At least I could have a passenger. I like it. There you go. Metal Mando, hope you enjoyed those answers. Thank you, sir. Got rod. Uh, we'll, we'll touch base again next week. And lastly, another Seinfeld mashup question from Jeffrey Fishback from the Canto Cast. Let's listen to Jeff's question. Hey guys, it's Jeff from the Canto Cast, back with everyone's favorite segment, the Star Wars Seinfeld mashup question of the week. Now, I was rather busy this week and didn't have, you know, time really to think about a good question for you this week. So I'm just going to rehash my question from last week just a little bit. This week, I would like to know who your favorite Star Wars secondary characters are and why, and who your favorite Seinfeld secondary characters are and why. Now, to me, secondary characters are a little bit different than obscure characters because secondary characters have more to do with the story and the plot of the show or movie than obscure characters. So have fun with that. And I cannot wait to hear your answers as always. And I promise next week I will put my thinking cap back on and try to come up with a little bit of a little bit better question for you guys to mull around until then. Can't wait to hear your answers. Talk to you next week, and may the Force be with you. All right, Corey. Yes, Jeff is right. Secondary characters are different than obscure characters. I agree completely with that. So with that in mind, Corey, what, what, are, your, what are your answers to this question? Your favorite secondary Star Wars and Seinfeld characters? Let's, uh, I'll start with Star Wars first. I've got a few of them. Uh... Would you consider Lando a main? I would think Lando's a main at this point, especially with the upcoming movie. Uh, no. Well, maybe Solo changes that, but previous, no. Okay, I'll say I'll take I'll take Lando and Hondo, as well as Akbar and Tarkin. Jeez, it's <laughs> a full platter right there for you. But I mean, all you know, secondary characters. But I love the fact that Tarkin and Akbar, they're like the antithesis. You know, like. Well, yeah, they're kind of matching wits in the uh, current Darth Vader series. That's pretty rad to to see Akbar and uh, and Tarkin going at it. Although they're not in any scenes together. Uh, Yeah, those are all secondary characters. What about uh, from Seinfeld? Seinfeld, keep it pretty simple this time around. But uh, let's go with the daddies, man. The papas. It's like... Morty Seinfeld and Frank Costanza. <laughs> yeah. Come on. They're perfect. And the fact that like <clears throat> Seinfeld's father changed from the first season. In the first season, his father seemed very – a little more well-established, calm, uh, wise. Oh, he was so boring. Well, that's it. I mean, come when as the show moved on, he just became like – like, I don't know, perfect. 
Oh, he's the cantankerous, grumpy old man. But he was also kind of like, I don't know, just lost. You know, the other, the other, the other, the original father seemed to have it together. Like Morty was kind of just like, I don't yeah, know, he was all the over the place. Old man, often. And and George's dad just absolutely off the wall crazy. Yeah, I was I was gonna stay in the Seinfeld fam or the the Costanza family with uh, no, that's yeah, Seinfeld family the, with Uncle Leo. Yeah, I guess he would almost be obscure, like last week. Nah, Uncle Leo was recurring enough to be secondary. I guess. But that's not where I went. So my answers are pretty simple for me because both of my favorite characters from both are secondary characters. Like it's Chewie and Putty. You call Chewie a secondary character? Yeah, absolutely. The movies aren't about Chewie. They're about what? everybody else. They're well, they're about Luke. They're about Anakin. They're about Whatever. Leia and Han. Whatever. Chewie's. When is a sidekick a primary? <laughs> when it's called Guess. Batman and Robin. That's it. So you're you're the kind of guy that doesn't give Chewie metal. I get it. Chewie <laughs> secondary character. Who are you? It's 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 really not hard. And and like I said, Putty, the best for me is the, he's the best Seinfeld character. He is pretty good. Hey, did you see that Patrick Warburton showed up at a Devils game painted up like he was? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and then my my B team of secondary characters. Uh, I was going to have old old Ben Kenobi, which is sort of a loophole answer. Because you can't just separate Ben Kenobi from the rest of Kenobi. He's actually a main too, but whatever. He's not a main in A New Hope. Mm. <laughs> Luke is the main. Good lord. And and Jay Peterman. Yeah, yeah Peterman, I, I'll give you. He's a recurring character. Not in the league of someone like Obi-Wan or whatever, but... You might, you are drunk and baked. Oh, dude, come on. Like, I, I, I just have a, a different, like, I, well, you know what I look at it as? You usually you, have. You see it as an insult to call somebody a secondary. It's not. No, because I see them as leads. Like, you usually have, like, your first lead, Luke. Like, second lead, third lead, fourth lead. Like, up to, I don't know, at least, like, sometimes six to eight. But people, like, I don't know, like. A secondary character in a new hope for me would have been uh, Lars Baru. Or Lars Owen, sorry. Owen Lars. Owen Lars, sorry. <laughs> Whatever. You should be sorry. Either way, that's a secondary character to me. I'd say it's like a tertiary character. But no, definitely Obi-Wan is a main character to me. Like he's a lead character in this franchise. Like I don't I don't see him as a secondary. But like the ones you said for Seinfeld, those are secondary characters for me. Wicked's a prime but, character. He, yeah, he's up there. No, Warwick no, Davis. No. Wicked is not. Uh, it's borderline for me, anyhow. Wicked is nothing if not secondary. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it's close. <laughs> it's very close. No, it's not. It's not close at all. He has a very big role in that movie. All right, I think this is. it's about time we're done. <laughs> you need to go go to bed. Have a glass of water. A big glass of water and go to bed, Corey. <laughs> on Lando too. Like Lando, I don't see him so secondary to be honest. Like he's definitely like six lead of that film. You can't have six leads. Yes, you can. 
I was the sixth lead in the Phantom of the Opera in grade, grade six. <laughs> the sixth lead. It's true. I was Raul. I'm the, the sixth owner. guy that won the gold medal in that race. It's true, man. There's one lead. There's like two leads. That's it. You get you don't get six leads. Well, I watched Entourage and they they mentioned that word more than once. Johnny La- Drama was the the sixth lead. The only I think the only movie that you could say you have a bunch of leads is like the Avengers. Is it Cap? Yeah. Is it Iron Man? But even at, like after, beyond that, there's all kinds of movies like that, like the Orient Express, like Star Study Cast. Yeah, there's ensemble casts where they all kind of play at the same level, but there's well, there's, there's certain characters that drive a plot along. Like again, like the, the Phantom of the Opera thing. Like you got the Phantom. The dude, the girl, the owners of the opera house, and like, I don't know, there's someone else. I can't remember now, but like, there's, those there's, it's, people. It's the Phantom and the girl. That Those are the leads in that. In that. Everybody else serves those two. Meh. Yeah, you're right in that regard, but it's just those people drive the plot along. They have more lines than everybody else. and Like Ben Kenobi in A New Hope serves Luke. That makes, in my mind, that makes him secondary to me. Yeah, see, I'd have to dis- I just disagree with you from the way, like, your perspective on it, you know? All right. I wonder if there is it. I'm going to check right now. Boy, this show's going to drag on. Secondary character definition. <laughs> All right. Secondary characters populate your world and help move the story along. There are two main subclasses of secondary characters, supporting characters and minor characters. By contrast, supporting characters are essential to the plot. They play a direct role in the plot and have a heavy impact on the storyline. Oh, God, this goes on and on. Yeah, well, that makes sense then. That kind of falls into the Kenobi thing. Sure does. Either way, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Have another beer, Corey. Um, Yeah, I'm due. (laughs) Oh, it's bedtime. It sure is. Okay. Let's call it quits. Oh, guys. All right. So, Jeff, thank you, man. There you go. You got a little bonus argument between two brothers for your for your money. How about that? All right. So, we have uh, ads, Bradley, Katie, Ryan, Metal Mando, and Mr. CantoCast. Thank you all for your questions. And everybody, you can definitely, if you want to send in a voicemail or an email to the show, feel free to do that. We will definitely read them in the next episode. Right, Corey? Right. <laughs> Corey's got one foot out the door. Wrap it up. Okay, powerful friends, Sith Disturbers are back this week. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. I hope. Yeah, I think we are a draw this week, you know? Uh, we might, yeah. Something like that. And if you want to hear that, if you want to hear Sith Disturbers, you've got some time to get into the uh, Patreon campaign. Our become a powerful friend for just a couple bucks a month and you'll get some uh, exclusive and early access podcasts uh, you get access to our monthly draws uh, but we also have our new uh, $5 tier which was created to kind of honor the people that have uh, voluntarily gone to that level anyway and uh, they'll benefit from episodes of saber rattling before they go live and they'll also be on those episodes uh, when we get around to launching them and uh, that's it. So check it out at patreon.com slash tumbling saber. And uh, hopefully you become a powerful friend. If you can't what, do that. What, what are we giving away this month? Oh, I wish I could tell you. 
I could, I could, but I won't. Dun dun dun. Yeah, that's intriguing. It is. It is definitely intriguing. Uh, but leave us a review on iTunes. Either way, please help us out. That way, it really gets some eyeballs on the show. It really does help. So if if you've got uh, two minutes of time, maybe you can put that into iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and uh, give us a little review, and we'll read that on the show as well. And if you're just getting into podcasts and you're looking for some great Star Wars podcasts to put into your playlist, go to StarWarsCommonwealth.com and check it out. We've got nine shows there. All of them are awesome. So check out StarWarsCommonwealth.com. You will be pleased. I promise you that. And so that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 123. We're done. Corey, where can people find you on Twitter? Come on, Kyle. No. You can find me at Chop Rules with a Z, baby. Perfect. And you can find me at Tumbling Saber across the board on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Come check out our, our closed Facebook group. The invite is open. Just come knock on the door and we'll let you in. And that is about all. If you if you want to follow uh, Carlos on the Twitter machine, you can find him at C Candido Music. And if you want to find our friends at the Green Door Podcast, you can find them over on Podbean. You can find James at Tommy Bombadil one on Twitter. Ads is at Ad7. Uh, I, I don't know May's Twitter handle, but you will find if, where you find ads and James, you will find May. So check them out. Go check out that podcast and enjoy some Tolkien talk. And that's it, everybody. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to the powerful friends on Sith Disturbers, and we'll catch the rest of you on episode 124. Have yourselves a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Your voice is sending shivers to shower out through my spine.